for the 23rd time this college basketball season, a top 10 team has lost on the road to an unranked team. So maybe all that hype around Zvonimir Visic was a little premature. You are locked on college basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host today, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you, in particular you everydayers, for joining us to get your college basketball content every single day. If you're new to the show or if you don't hang out with us every day, that's fine. I want to invite you to come join our Locked On College Basketball Discord community where we're talking college basketball all day long. The link for that is in the show notes and it's free to join. We'd love to have you. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about two Big 12 teams from the state of Texas that took to the road for victories. I got a six-pack for you, just looking kind of all over the nation at some fun and crazy things. We've even got an A-10 game we want to talk about, and no, it ain't Dayton. How about that for a while? But I want to start with Big Blue Nation and Kentucky and South Carolina. Look, the Wildcats got a nice fun victory on Saturday over Georgia, a big win with Big Z in the lineup for the first time. And everyone went wacky and got all excited. Andy and I included, we're like, man, this dude's so fun and I love it and it's great. Um, Andy and I weren't ready to go here, but a lot of national college basketball media was suddenly enthroning Kentucky to like guaranteed Final Four status. Like it felt like that's where it was. FanDuel moved all their lines where it was like Kentucky was right up in there now because all of a sudden this was a thing. But can we let it be more than one game? Because <laughs> did you see what happened on Tuesday night? I, I hate to say it, Kentucky fans, but it, uh, we needed a bigger sample size. So a big win with Big Z on Saturday, a big loss with Big Z on Tuesday at South Carolina, 79-62. to South Carolina held an eight-point halftime lead. Kentucky got it down to four early in the second half, but then South Carolina just methodically got this lead out to as much as 18 points. Ridiculous stuff. Now, I want to start with the Kentucky side of things before we get to South Carolina. So, yeah, this Avisage hype is probably premature. Along with the Kentucky hype in general with Avisage, right? The reality is probably somewhere in between what we saw Saturday and what we saw Tuesday. You're never as as good as your very, very tip-top best day, and you're never as bad as your absolute worst day. Probably somewhere in between all that. All that said, look, it's hard to win on the road in conference play. I get that. But it's one thing to lose a tight game, a close game, a well-competed game. It's another thing to get blown out in Columbia like this. And I don't mean that as any sort of um, disparaging comment to South Carolina. I mean, that as like you, you go on the road, you're Kentucky. You've got all this talent and athleticism and depth. You should not be losing by 17 points. That that's just not going to be it for a team that has these final four and national championship aspirations. 
But regardless of Big Z, regardless of this result from the South Carolina game, here's where I'm at now with Kentucky. The offense, fantastic. It's electric. It's fun. I'll tune in to watch this Kentucky offense any day of the week. They're fifth in offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. They're fourth in offensive efficiency at Bart Torvik. It's all, man, I, I love it. It's great. But the defense is just simply not good enough for Kentucky to get to the heights of what they want to get to. They are currently, as I record, 98th in defensive efficiency at Ken Palm, 112th in defensive efficiency at Torvik. What about just straight up scoring, like scoring average and defensive scoring average? Man, that dichotomy is even greater. The Wildcats right now are number one in the nation in scoring average, one of just two teams scoring over 90 points a game along with Samford. It's awesome. I love what Bucky McMillan's team's doing down there. It's great. But they're the only two teams averaging over 90 right now. So number one in scoring offense. Here's the problem for Kentucky. That defense we just talked about is 312th in the nation in scoring defense average, allowing 77.2 points per game. By the way, 12th is a hard word to say to get all the like sounds in there. You got to like 12th. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. Anyway, on we go. There's only 360. There's only. There are 362 teams in Division One, and Kentucky is 312th. Would you like to take a guess how many power six teams are worse in scoring defense than Kentucky? There's five of them, and I think they all share a not great trait. It's Arkansas. It's Michigan. Oh, boy, we're going to talk about Michigan in a little bit. Louisville, Iowa, and DePaul, who just fired their head coach. That's the defensive company that Kentucky's keeping in the Power Six ranks. Not exactly a group you want to be associated with. Moreover, Kentucky, you trying to be a national champion? Let me give you some historic statistics that are not in your favor, unfortunately. In the Ken Palm era, so going back to the 1998-99 season was when Ken Palm started. There have been 24 national champions in the span since Ken Palm started. Of those teams, every, or not every, excuse me, 21 of the 24 national champions have finished top 10 in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. The three outliers, are it's not much worse, 17th, 19th, and 39th. Kentucky passes that with flying colors. Remember, I just said they're fifth in offensive efficiency. But here again is the problem. All 24 of the national champions in the Ken Palm era have finished top 22 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. Kentucky's not even sniffing that right now. What what did I say? They are 98th at Ken Palm. There's never been a team worse than top 22 win the national championship. So that's a fail, and it's not remotely close. Now, there's still time to get that number up, but have you seen anything from Kentucky to suggest that they might be able to do that? I don't know that I – I mean, the the athletes are there, but they're not connected enough. It's not a a tight enough defensive team. And, folks, you know this as well as I do. John Calipari's best teams at Kentucky have been – fine offensively, but they've been dialed in on the defensive end of the floor. That's just not this team. So yeah, the offense is so fun, but the defense is not cutting it. So uh, they've got 13 regular season games left, plus SEC tournament, plus NCAA tournament to improve that 
defense if they want to make a run. But right now, with that lack of defensive ability, I just cannot trust this Kentucky Wildcats team to win six games in a row in March and win a national championship. We'll see what happens. Now, the South Carolina side of this thing, massive credit to the Gamecocks in this one. Because look, what, what I was just praising about Kentucky was their offense, and we were haranguing on their defense. But it's their offense that failed them in this game. Now, not from a field goal percentage. Um, they shot over 40% for the game. But South Carolina, man, just held them down. That number one scoring offense that I talked about, that's one of two in the nation averaging 90-plus points. South Carolina just held them to a season-low 62 points. Look at it this way. Aaron Bradshaw, four points. Justin Edwards, two points. Just one field goal attempt. Man, I don't get Justin Edwards. DJ Wagner, four points. That's three of your starters that combined to score 10. Meanwhile, off the bench, guys are used to doing some stuff. Reed Shepard, three points. Your other two bigs, Avisic and Yugana Anienzo, two points and three points for Avisic. That means between the two of them and Aaron Bradshaw combined, you're only getting nine from those three seven-footers. I, I, like something's got to change. Is it getting Rob Dillingham in the starting lineup? I, is it getting Reed Shepard? In the start? I don't know. But I feel like at some point you got to start trying some stuff if you're Kentucky. Um, how about Michi Johnson, man? That that uh, three-pointer from the logo just like in the final minute of the game kind of like cap everything. Man, that was great. I loved it. But Talon Cooper was the dude in this game. Led all scorers with 20 points. Really, really efficient. For this Gamecocks team, 8 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, and chipped in 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Great showing there. You love to see them. Now, I loved it. The uh, Locked On Gamecocks um, Twitter account tweeted at Locked On College Basketball after the game was like, hey, can we please get ranked now? And what's funny is my first response was to kind of chuckle to myself like, oh, that's cute, you know. But then... It's like I stopped to take a longer look at South Carolina's resume, and it's not bad. There, there's no real like this is the clearly the most elite win. This is a great resume NCAA tournament type win. But outside of this, there's nothing really elite. But there are a lot of solid victories. This is now the second quad one win. South Carolina does have a quad three loss that brings them down. But guess who else does? Kentucky at home to UNCW. So. Um, Gamecocks, I'm going to have to start taking a look at you as we get uh, ahead of next week's rankings to see if I can get you into that top 25. Regardless of that, this win is big, 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 big time for NCAA tournament seating. The selection committee is going to love this victory. So what's interesting about this even more so is as we take a look at the SEC standings, these two teams are now tied at four and two behind only three teams, Auburn at 5-0 and and Tennessee and Alabama tied at 4-1. and But lest ye forget, friends, that Auburn travels to Alabama tonight, Wednesday. So that's going to shake up the top of this thing one way or the other as well. So either Bama is going to drop down and be tied at 4-2 and with South Carolina and Kentucky, or it will knock Auburn down to uh, being uh, having their first loss as well. So SEC picture, going to get a little more clarity on that tonight. All right. Two of the Big 12 teams in the state of Texas went on the road on Tuesday night and both got victories over ranked teams. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the NFL playoffs are rolling and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. They've got a very easy app to use, and there's a bunch of different ways to bet, like same-game parlays, bets in their new Explore tab, all sorts of stuff. We're about to talk Big 12. How about the Big 12 regular season odds? Right now, Houston leads the way at plus 115. How about them coming in and potentially winning this conference? Kansas second at plus 450. Texas Tech third at plus 600. Way to go, Red Raiders. Baylor and Iowa tied at plus 800. And then K-State at plus 2,000. If you want to get in on that action or others, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, two road wins for two Texas Big 12 teams who were playing at ranked opponents. Let's start with the second one, the later of this game. That was number four, Houston. At number 21, BYU, the Cougars, well, they're both Cougars. The Houston Cougars come away with a 75-68 to victory. This was a nice, tough road win for Houston. Although, to be fair, and in all due respect to BYU, I didn't think Houston should have struggled in this game as much as they did. I don't know if it was the altitude or, or the environment of the Marriott Center, which, by the way, is electric. I love it. I always love seeing games there. Um, but I thought Houston should have handled this. Now, if you look at the final score, you say, Isaac, what are you talking about? They won by seven. Yeah, it it. It was closer than that. <laughs> now, way to go. I mean, for Houston, they had lost their first two Big 12 road games ever. So this is their first ever Big 12 road win. And you'll take a road win in Big 12 play anytime you can get it. The thing was, you know, I'm saying I wish Houston had won a little more convincingly. They were, it felt like they were in control the whole time, but BYU never really went away. Houston led by as many as 13, but BYU went on this 12-2 run to cut it down uh, to like 61-58. Um, but then LJ Cryer, man, he just answered with this three to put it back to six. Every time BYU cut it down, Houston just had an answer for them. Until we got about 2-12 left in the game. Noah Waterman goes up and drains a three to tie it up at 68. And the Mar I talked about the environment of the Marriott Center. Boy, it was going crazy at that moment. The problem for BYU is that after that, that was the, the last point they scored in this basketball game. They never scored again, and the final seven points all went to Houston. And interestingly, were all from the free throw line. And how comforting is this for Kelvin Sampson from four different players? Juwan Roberts, one of two. Emmanuel Sharp went two of two. Jamal Shedd went two of two. LJ Cryer went two of two. To, to have that trust in that road environment that these guys can step up to the free throw line and make pressure shots is great. Because meanwhile, here was the problem on the other side for me. BYU kind of shot themselves out of this game. Um which, you know, honestly, they've they've had a tendency to do at times this season. For example, in this game, they made 11 threes. That's fantastic. You'll take getting to double-digit threes. The problem with it, though, is they missed 27 threes, meaning that although they made 11, they shot just 28.9% from three. Meanwhile, Houston was right on their tails making 10 threes of their own, but they only needed 23 attempts to do so meaning they shot 43.5% from three. I don't know if you know how math works, but 43.5% is a lot better than 
1.9% advantage Houston in a big way in that one. So I, I don't, you know, I mean, it's just how Mark Pope is going to have this team play. And I get that and I understand it because they can shoot it and they do it well. And sometimes they're going to shoot themselves into games, but that's the problem with over-reliance on the three. And we've seen that with Alabama some over the last couple of years under Nate Oates is you can also shoot yourselves out of a game if the defense isn't there, for example. So uh, BYU's got some things to figure out there. Great game from LJ Cryer, 23 points, 7 of 14 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, and 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Let's switch over to the other Texas Big 12 school that I want to talk about that was in action at a ranked opponent on Tuesday night, and that was Texas at Oklahoma. A little preview of a future SEC matchup, actually, believe it or not. Uh, the SEC special in the Big 12 on Tuesday night. Longhorns win this one 75 to 60. And I'll tell you what, for a long part of this game, I did not think we'd see that kind of final margin out of it. Uh, both teams just going back and forth with each other. It, Texas started off the game, I think it was seven, seven to nothing, if I remember correctly. But Oklahoma came back, fought back well, um, and ultimately were up by one at the half. But man, Texas just blitzed things in the second half, outscored um, uh, outscored Oklahoma 43 to 27. So here's the thing with Texas now. Remember that whole fiasco last week with the horns down from UCF after UCF beat them and Coach Terry was getting all upset and mad and ugh. I guess that worked because since then, Texas is 2-0, both of which are ranked wins, beating Baylor on Saturday and then now winning at Oklahoma on Tuesday. So you know what? Let Coach Terry, you go get Big Mad, my brother, and let's get after it. Although I know he did face some, some backlash because then he went and celebrated Big Crazy after the Baylor win, which is kind of funny. So anyway, great stuff. Congrats to Texas on it. What Andy and I talked about this a lot earlier in the season that missing Dylan DeSue was a critical piece for the Longhorns. They lost him, you know, kind of down the stretch of the NCAA tournament. They're still honestly should have beaten Miami and gone to the final four. Um, but Dylan DeSue has been great since he's come back from the injury. Um, 18 plus points in four of the last five games, shooting really well from outside, not a high volume, but he's up over, I think it's like 56, 57% made two of three in this game. So I think, as Texas is able to continue working him back in, Caden Shedrick's coming off the bench. Uh, I, I think Texas could be in a good spot. I don't know that I'm ready to re-rank them yet. I'll have to look, again, looking at resumes as we get back around uh, to next weekend and see where things are at. But, I mean, you got Dylan DeSue doing that, had 19 in this game, had 19 also against Baylor, by the way. And meanwhile, Max Asmus is out here leading all scorers with 22. And so... Um, Texas just has, there's a lot of talent on this roster. Just need to see it come together and come together consistently game in and game out. Now, I recognize that a lot of that is just the big 12 is so loaded, um, but it's going to be about these teams like this win that you got to get on the road. That's critically important. So big time win for the horns and man, the big 12 is just so, so deep. Texas, Oklahoma now tied at three and three in the conference, along with TCU, who, by the way, escaped uh, in Stillwater on Tuesday night. Oklahoma State does not have a Big 12 win, and TCU almost went down. Can't do that. But UCF also tied. So all four of those teams are tied at three and three. Houston, meanwhile, with their win, keeps pace 
with Kansas at four and two, just a half game behind Texas Tech and K-State, who were both four and one. And yes, Texas Tech and K-State are currently tied for the Big 12 lead. BYU, meanwhile, you know, they had that great start to the season, undefeated, did so well for so long. They fall now to two and four in Big 12 play. That's tied with Cincinnati and West Virginia. All three of those, like the only team they're ahead of is Oklahoma State. And you heard me just say they haven't won a game in Big 12 play. So that's where all that is. And let's be honest. I mean, I could rattle off the, the upcoming schedule for all these teams, but it's the Big 12 schedule. It's going to be nuts and it's going to be difficult. So Big 12 play under uh, action is just rolling and it's always bonkers. And I am here for every bit of it. All right. We got a six pack for you. Jeremy Roach came back for Duke in this game, as did Mark Mitchell. But unfortunately, Jeremy Roach had to leave again. Want to get you caught up on that and the rest of our two or Wednesday six pack in just a second. Isaac Shade here with you on Locked on College Basketball. We're going to wrap up our show with a Wednesday six-pack. Lots of great action on Tuesday night, so I want to make sure to hit you with some of it. Several Big Ten games to talk about, but we're going to start in the ACC, where number 12 Duke got back on the horse after losing at home to Pitt over the weekend. Pitt, by the way, won at Georgia Tech on Tuesday night, Um, but Duke wins uh, at Louisville, and that's not a big story itself. Louisville's not great, although... If you've been keeping tabs on Louisville, they have been playing better. Obviously beat Miami, lost to NC State by just six, Um, lost to North Carolina last week, although they cut a big lead down to five, gave them some real game pressure. And that's what happened here. Uh, Duke ultimately wins 83 to 69, but um, Louisville made it a game in the second half. Duke had an 18 point lead with five minutes to go in the first half. But Louisville cut it down to as little as three with 14 and a half minutes to go in the game. But they they just didn't, they're not disciplined enough, not deep enough um, to to, to maintain that. And Duke is too talented and they pull away. But here's why I want to talk about this game. Duke, as I believe it was ESPN pointed out on Tuesday night, is 8-0 when they used the starting lineup that started on Tuesday night. That was... Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski, Caleb Foster, and Jared McCain. Meaning Tyrese Proctor, by the way, is coming off the bench. I don't know if that's going to hold. I don't know. You know, Coach Shire's probably going to tinker with this a little bit. But uh, that that's where it was on Tuesday night. Now, obviously, Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell did not play in that loss to Pittsburgh over the weekend. But they both did play in this game and both scored in double digits Unfortunately, though, Jeremy Roach, who had been out with like a knee issue, had to leave this game with an ankle issue. So don't know how long that's going to be, what that's going to look like. Um, But uh, just upcoming for Duke, they host Clemson on Saturday back at Cameron. So we'll see if he is ready to go for that one. I just want to highlight a couple of of the standout Duke um, stat lines. Talked about Proctor coming off the bench. He scores a career-high 24 points. Meanwhile, Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell are both wrapping up double-doubles over here. 17, 15, and five assists for Flip. Uh, 20 points, 12 boards for Mark Mitchell. So glad to see him back in the lineup as well. As I said, uh, Duke hosts Clemson coming up this Saturday. Should be a fun matchup. I'm really, really looking forward to it. The sad thing is it's the only time they play this year. Would love to see... Uh, Duke and Clemson have home and home this year, but that's what it is. All right, number two in our six-pack. Let's move to the Big 
10. And I'm going to start at a uh, kind of unexpected place here, but it's because it was a fun, entertaining ending. This is Wisconsin at Minnesota. Badgers hold on to win this game 61 to 59. They needed it to stay uh, a half game ahead of Purdue in the Big Ten standings, and they got it. But it was uh, thin ice for, for some time in this game. Wisconsin was up 10 at the half, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine on the road at Minnesota. They're great. They'll take care of business. Minnesota takes a lead in the second half. Like, they were up 46-45 at the under-12 timeout, for example. Um, Minnesota up one. Again, around 30 seconds left in the game. Minnesota's winning 58-57. to um, Ultimately, A.J. Storr knocks down two free throws. Tyler Wall knocks down two free throws with five seconds left to give Wisconsin a 61-58 lead. And at that point, you're thinking... Uh, we start to get in that conversation of foul or don't foul, you know, um, being up three. Uh, Badgers elect to foul. Mike Mitchell makes the first free throw at 61-59. He misses the second and is actually able to get the offensive rebound. It wasn't just like a hard off the backboard. Like we saw, uh, who missed that over the weekend? Somebody tried to do that. I think maybe it was Tyrese Proctor. So I feel like it was Duke, which is interesting because one of the Jones brothers, I think it was Trey, successfully did that against North Carolina, you might recall, um, in a game a couple years ago. Anyway, uh, Mike Mitchell is able to track down this rebound. It caromed off to the right baseline, gets it, um, but is unable to, uh, he got a shot up, but it just, yeah, you could tell out of his hand it wasn't going to go. <clears throat> Rebounding action, nothing doing there either. I honestly thought um, he rushed it more than he needed to. Probably tough to see uh, the clock from the angle he was at and all that, but um, I thought he could have composed himself a little more before taking the shot, um, but they don't get it. Wisconsin survives. Uh, great game from Tyler Wall, AJ Stored. They lead the way with 16 and 15, respectively. And again, Wisconsin still in the lead in the Big Ten standings. I'll mention more about that in a second. <clears throat> Let's switch to the Big East for a second, then we'll go back to the Big Ten. Creighton holds serve at home over Xavier, 85 to 78. Another final score that you look at and you're like, okay, fine, great. Listen. Xavier hung around for a long time in this game. They led by one at the half. They led by seven with 11.30 to go. Um, they led again by three with eight to go. But it's just too much Baylor Shireman and Trey Alexander down the stretch for Creighton. Um, and, and Xavier closed it to two one more time. But then Baylor Shireman answers with a three. Trey Alexander jumper, Trey Alexander free throws. And that's just about it. Um, really nice win for Creighton. Uh, Trey Alexander, 27 points, um, nine boards, four assists, a steal, and a block. Baylor Shireman, 20. Um, just great stuff from these guys. And here's why I want to bring this up, because Creighton, who has had a, a couple struggles this year, are quietly moving their way up the Big East standings. They're now in third at 6-3. and three. They're back behind UConn, who's still sitting at one loss. Seton Hall, who's got... Two and then Marquette is actually right behind Creighton. So uh, water's kind of finding its level a little bit in the Big East standings. All right, let's go back to the Big Ten for um, six-pack game number four. Nebraska beats Ohio State 83-69 to at home. I want to mention this one because, holy cow, Rink Mast in this game has 34 points for Nebraska. Seven of nine on twos, six of eight on threes, Two of two from the free throw line, 10 boards, four assists, and two blocks. 
my friends. If you have not seen the 610 big man from the Netherlands, you need to go check it out. He's out there just pulling, and I love it. So Nebraska, five and four in Big Ten play. It's not setting the world on fire, but they are fifth. I'm just telling just keep your eye out for Nebraska. So you see kind of how they fare going forward elsewhere in the Big Ten. You guys, Michigan is a train wreck. I mean, we knew ahead of the season or expected ahead of the season, I guess I should say, that they weren't going to be a good basketball team. But the reality of it is just so difficult to watch. Purdue, number two in the nation, wins this game 99-67. to It's 32 points. Now, I know it was at Mackey. It's, it's a Purdue home game, whatever. But Michigan losing by 32. The Wolverines now 7-12 and on the season, 2-6 and in Big Ten play. Zach Eady just eh, ho-hum, 16 points, 10 boards, doing what he does. But, man, I... I really want to point out Lance Jones, the Southern Illinois transfer, who has just been a revelation. 24 in this game on 7 of 16 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. He's got double figures in 7 straight. He's averaging 18 in the last four games. What a big-time addition he has been for Matt Painter's crew. But, obviously, it's not just Zach Eady. It's not just Lance Jones. Braden Smith, more triple-double-ish numbers in this one. 11 points, 10 assists. Uh, seven rebounds. He was, it was a perfect shooting night. Four of four from the field, one of one from three, two of two on freeze. And as a team, Purdue goes 14 of 21 from the three point line. Good grief. That's insane. Purdue, man, just, just keep trucking. Uh, and, uh, man, just waiting to see. Uh, like, I feel like we're all just like, what? Purdue's going to do what they're going to do in the regular season. What's going to happen when the lights come on in March? That's what we're all waiting to see. Uh, but right now they're fighting to get up ahead of Wisconsin in the Big Ten standing. Speaking of which, here's where we're at. Wisconsin 7-1. and one. Purdue half game back at 7-2. and two. Then Illinois is 5-2. and two. Those three to me are the clear top three right now, especially with Terrence Shannon Jr. back. Nebraska, as we mentioned, they're fifth at 5-4. and four, So keep your eyes on the Huskers. Ohio State with the loss to Nebraska falls to three and five in Big Ten play. I just it felt like Ohio State was going to be better than that this year, but they're tied in ninth place with Minnesota, Maryland, speaking of disappointments, and Penn State and Michigan dead last in the Big Ten standings. Yuck. All right, we're wrapping up this six pack with some A10 action. And no, it's not Dayton, although they had another win on Tuesday night. This is St. Joe's winning over at UMass 78 to 77. Now here it is for UMass who, by the way, just lost at the buzzer, essentially at the buzzer, like last week to Loyola Chicago. They're up one, 10 seconds to go. St. Joe's has the ball get across half court, about 10 seconds left. Lynn Greer has the ball drives to his right, gets the ball up on the rim. It kind of hangs there, bounces off. He and a teammate seem to tap it up. I couldn't really tell who got a hand on it. That kind of hits the underside of the rim. But then he gets, um, Lynn Greer gets a second offensive rebound, kind of falling down, gets the ball up. And as he falls to the floor, it rifles through the basket. Game winner, not, not a buzzer beater. Um, UMass is able to get a heave off, but it's from the, literally from the corner on the other side of the court. Um, so, uh, 
man, crazy ending. Go watch the highlights of this thing. It's just one of those like under the basket melees that often happens in, in these kind of moments. It was great stuff. But uh, so Greer got the game winner, but man, it was Eric Reynolds. That was the man for St. Joe's in this one. 31 points on 11 of 17 shooting, five of seven from three, four of five um, on free throws, three rebounds, three assists, three steals and a block. Great, great game from Eric Reynolds. Good stuff there. Now, neither of these teams is really in contention in the A-10. They're middle of the pack, but a fun ending all the same. If you're looking at the A-10 standings, it's Dayton at the top. I believe it's 6-0 with Dayron Holmes. If you haven't seen him, man, legit All-American can- candidate this year. But Richmond, also undefeated in the A-10 right behind at 5-0. So keep your eyes on all those teams. All right, friends. Man, what a Tuesday night of basketball. It was electric. It was fun. I hope you were dialed into it. Don't forget tonight, Alabama-Auburn, that's going to be a great game along with another good slate of basketball. Andy and I will be with you on Thursday's show to break all of that down and I'll let you know if there's, I don't think there's much going on on Thursday, but we'll let you know if there is. Y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Come join the Locked On College Basketball Discord. Again, the link is in the show notes. Subscribe on video and audio if you would to the show. It means so much to us. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube to help spread the reach of the show. We'd be honored if you would leave a rating or review of the show. Five stars, please. Talk about why you love it. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, peace.